actually recording this time. The Excellent. counter is running. It's not blinking? Nope. We don't have issues here? Yes. You know why it's working out perfectly? Because we don't have a guest? Because we don't have a guest, yeah. All right. Ready when you are. Welcome to episode 38 of Auto Off Topic. I am Brad. And I'm your other host, Andrew. Welcome to your own home, Andrew. Yes. We are back. Uh, we haven't been gone. No, we haven't. Well, we did. We went away. Yeah. We were at um, the Mount Washington, the Subaru Mount Washington Climb to the Clouds event over the weekend. And the official name is Subaru Climb to the Clouds at Mount Washington. Okay. You know, if we must be pedantic about it. I was close enough, I think. Yeah, more than likely. You gotta get the title sponsor in there, that Subaru Climb yeah, to the Subaru Clouds. Subaru Climb to the Clouds. Yes. At the Mount Washington Auto Roads twenty seventeen. That's right. Uh seems like they're going in a three year cycle now. Because they, are. they announced the next one's going to be in twenty twenty. Yep. So if you're looking to build a hill climb car, yeah. you have a little under three years. Yep. Get building. Talking to us. <laughs> Not, I don't know if we'll do that hill climb, but <laughs> no. But I think uh, I think the talent needs to do some hill climbs. Hey, you can do some stuff with um, Sports Car Club in New Hampshire or the Vermont Hill Climb Association, yeah. and and rent some of the local stuff. That would be cool. And I've talked I talked to Jordan about using the Starion for a while too, but who knows? We'll, we'll get. But then we get around to that. We'll it's, something else. It's I'm sure. probably easier just to use my talent because it's basically there. Yes. Yeah, it doesn't need to be put back together. Should grab some water, but only use this beer instead. Yeah, well, it's deliciously good beer, and mm-hmm. we'll have to deal with it, and the audience will have to deal with our excessive consumption this evening. That's all right. <laughs> anyway, uh, so, Climb of the Clouds. Uh, if you've been around the internet this week, you probably know that Travis Pastrana broke the hill climb record again. Yes, it's his turn again this time. Yes. Well, he set the unofficial one in early 2011. It was like a Red Bull promotional stunt. And then the official hill climb came in 2011. Maybe it was the year before. I think it was 2010. That he did the, the, yeah, that he did the unofficial, you know, stunt. But, um, well, it was an official stunt, but it was an unofficial time. Right. <laughs> the road was closed for him. And yes. Was... So, anyway, uh, that... Brought it to just above six minutes by David Higgins. It was like 6.04 something. I should have looked it up. Right. And that was in a uh, open class rally car. Like straight from, at the time, not Rally America, but probably... Uh, it was Rally America. Oh, sorry, not ARA, but Rally America. Yeah, it was Rally America. So now, uh, for this year, they pull out all the stops and they added an unlimited class. Correct. And this is what we talked about with Alex Grabau with the Pleasure Evo. He was running in the Unlimited class. Yeah, which is a class that the top two vehicles of the weekend over, you know, not finishing because of something we'll talk about later, but the two cars everybody was, you know, aiming for were factory-built Subarus. Yes. Uh, Well, they're built by Vermont Sports Car. Oh, factory-backed Yeah, they're the uh, Vermont Sports Car is the builder of all the Subaru rally cars. They're up in Colchester, Vermont, and so basically they took one of their GRC engines from the GRC Subarus. Which are like 600 horsepower? Yes, as opposed to like a roughly 300-ish horsepower with the restrictor for a normal rally car. So they swapped in the GRC engine, apparently into the rally car chassis with some other tweaks. 
Yeah, they've made them a lot lighter, too. Yeah, they removed all the extra equipment you need for rally. And co-driver's seat, lights. Yeah, they had to sit on a on a milk crate. No. Yeah, there's, there's no, no co-drivers. There's no co-drivers in Unlimited Class, so... Um, the thinner skid plates, I think they're just using, like, carbon Kevlar instead of any heavy-duty aluminum because there's no... It's actually a pretty smooth surface. Yep, a lot of it's paved, actually. Yeah, so you don't really need heavy-duty skid plates like you would in a rally. Uh, the headlights were decals. A la NASCAR. Yeah, like a NASCAR. Uh, that disturbs me a little bit because it kind of takes it one level away from a street car turned race car. Yeah, well, you know. They're already, but the GRC cars are like that too. So. I mean, the the rumor on the street from talking to other people, those two cars are well into the millions of development. Oh, I can't imagine they would be. Yeah, because they are, they are basically the only two in the world. They don't run that style it's, car. It's, it's anywhere not legal else. for anything else. No, it's not a. I don't. It's not an FIA car. So. Now this is a the Subaru climb to the clouds event. Subaru yeah. made their own rules to allow them to build the car that they wanted to build. Yeah. So it was like 500 pounds lighter, 600 horsepower. They were going for the all-out. So it was 500 pounds lighter and double the horsepower of the previous record-holding car. Yes. That kind of gives you an idea of what it takes to break a record or to make a record fall. Because when you think double the horsepower and less weight, and they beat the record by what seems unremarkable when you think about it, when you hear it, I should say, at first, that they beat the record by 20 seconds. Yeah. They didn't, you know, oh, double the horsepower, less weight, it should be half the time. But obviously, that's, you know, physics doesn't allow that because double the horsepower, and what was the record this year? It was 5 minutes, 44 seconds, and 72. So yeah. from yeah. 6.04 to 5.44, yeah. so like I said, yeah. about 20 seconds. Yeah, over an 8-mile course. Yeah, which 20 seconds is yeah. nothing to sneeze at. I'm not. I'm not saying it's not a huge jump. Because it is a huge jump, but it's just to think about the fact that they literally doubled the horsepower of the cars. It's not all about ultimate all-out power. It's about a lot of other things. From the summit to the base is an elevation gain of like 4,000 feet. Yes, which you noticed watching the slower carbureted cars. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) At the top, they weren't going very quick. At the base, you're already at like 2,000 feet above sea level as as you're into Pinkham Notch. Where the, where climb where um, Mount Washington Auto Road is? Yeah, it's in the in the White Mountains range of New Hampshire. Oh yeah, so know. yeah, if you don't if you haven't heard of Mount Washington, it's in New Hampshire. It's the tallest mountain east of the Mississippi, right? No, in the northeast. It, oh, the northeast. Okay. Yes. So probably east of the Mississippi, I assume. No, there's some taller ones down south, I guess. Oh, okay. But for here, it's the tallest around. Okay. At like six thousand something feet. So you're at about four thousand ish feet. Uh, on the road, you're now getting above tree line. In the clouds, yeah. Yeah, because the winds are so high, the trees can't grow. So there's no trees. So it's kind of eerie. So there's definitely, there's a ton of, I shared already some in-cars from Alex in the Pleasure Evo and then his uh, buddy Bill in the 240RS Maxi, which that's a pretty crazy video. Yeah, that car's insane. Yeah, So and you can see how it starts out in like forest. And then suddenly climbs up. The trees start to shrink and shrink and shrink and then disappear. Yep. And it's just wide open. And actually the weather was unbelievably clear. Which is rare for Mount Washington. It's incredibly rare. Yeah. It's, they literally have the worst weather in the world. Oh, well, in the 
No, it's in the world. Is it's, it really? It's considered to be the, I mean, the highest. The highest recorded wind speed by man was up there, I guess. Yeah, it was like 200, 231 miles an hour. I think it was 286 or something. Was I don't know. It was, it was a lot. A lot, lot more than I wanted to experience. Yeah. The old buildings on the top of the mountain They're are chains. strapped down with chains. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, it gets windy. Well, when you, where you were spectating, the porta potties were strapped down with yeah, they straps were. and yep. cinder blocks, right? Yeah, which is not exactly uh, comforting. Um, the winds on the day... Because we were spectating from, oh, you weren't with me. I was with two other friends. Yeah, you were um, well above tree line. You we were, were way above tree line. Yeah, we were past the dirt section into the the new tarmac section. So you're above what they call the cow pasture, which is this open area that past literally the cow looks pasture, like a yeah. cow pasture. Yeah, but there couldn't be any cows up there. No. They'd just fall over. Yeah. Um, it was a forty to fifty mile an hour steady wind on the side of the mountain all day long. Yeah, with gusts in the mid eighties. Yes. So it was, and it was 45 degrees. Yeah. So it was... Bright and sunny. Oh, yeah. So when you say it was an unbelievably nice day, it still sucked balls standing outside all day. Yeah. <laughs> See, 2014, it was clear like that, and it was not windy, so it was actually like 70 on the uh, up there. Oh, really? Yeah, that would have been nice. It was hot. Yeah. yeah. But... Yeah, no, by by the end of the day, I couldn't feel my hands, and all of my joints were sore. Like, my, I couldn't move my wrists, my knees hurt, I couldn't walk downhill. Like, it was it was getting pretty bad. See, I was down a little further at what they call the Cragway turn, which is that dirt turn that you'll see a lot of pictures from. Yeah, it's like a big sweep, big, big dirt sweeper. And that's probably 1,500 to 2,000, or maybe even two miles down the road. Okay. 15, like... Yeah, probably about Elevation, mark, it's yeah. probably 2,000 feet in elevation. Yeah. Uh, and it's in the trees. Yeah, it was cool, but I was wearing layers, like a vest and a jacket and a thermal. And you were comfortable. And I was comfortable because yeah. the wind was kind of, it was like a warmish wind kind of coming up from the valley. Yeah, plus you were in the trees. So you had a little bit more blockage. No, there's no trees up there. No, there's not? No. And then uh, on the second, second half of the day, I was down in Signal Corps, which is even farther down. That's just where the trees are starting to disappear. Right. It's a little bit warmer down there. The problem with spectating the event, not the problem, the the challenge with spectating the event is there's one road up, one road down. It's the same road. Yes. So you can't have access to other parts of the mountain via vehicle once the event has started. No. So if you want to drive and spectate from somewhere other than the starting line, your two options are drive to the summit prior to... The event starting, which they open for people, and you, you can pay. Yep, yeah, you can pay the regular the regular fee for driving up the road, yep. um, and you can and, hike down and park at the summit, and you're there all day, so you're there for you know eight to ten hours, and you can hike down to wherever you want to watch. I mean, they have spectator areas. Um, we didn't watch from a spectator area because you know we spectate a lot of rallies, and we've learned you know what's safe, where to go, how to be out of the way, and how not to get in trouble. So we found a pretty good spot that was not a a designated spectator area. Yeah. But it was so windy that our plan was to hike down to the Cragway. Yeah. But it's like a mile and a half or two mile hike. Yeah. It's like an hour and a half hike. Yeah, it's, it's a in, pretty, in good weather. In good weather. Yeah. And it was just the three of us. None of us are super experienced hikers. Um, the two friends that I was with, because um, you, you went with the media bus, um, but the two friends that I was with, none of us are super experienced hikers. And we decided that with those high winds, we didn't want to make that long trek, so we found someplace closer. I did in 2014. It wasn't bad going down. It was bad coming up with oh, sure. a giant camera bag. I mean, you're you're basically <clears throat> climbing the mountain at that point. It's, yeah, it's it's hard. It's a hard hike. I mean, you need 
I mean, people die on that mountain hiking all, all the time. time. Yeah. It's not, it's no joke. Like you need to be prepared. So it was better to just, you can go up to the summit and kind of walk around. See, that's what throws you off is that you can just drive to the top of this mountain. So everything, oh, this is easy, whatever. You just drive to the top of it. But no, yeah. it's, it's legit hard. And it's actually hard a lot of people, uh, it's like a four and a half, five hour hike from the bottom. Yep. And people will do that. And then the van drivers were telling us, yeah, a lot of times we just make a good amount of money just shuttling people down. That have yeah, hiked they, up. they charge you 30 bucks a pop to drive back down the mountain. Yeah, but you you've, to you've gotten to the top and you're like, I don't want to go back down. No. Take my money. Like, Yeah, and I, I can understand why because yeah. you're tired, you're beat up. You start at the bottom and it's 80 degrees and sunny, so you're wearing shorts and a T-shirt. Yeah. And then by the time you get, you know, like you said, past the tree line, it's 40 degrees with like 50 mile an hour wind and it's not comfortable anymore. Yeah, there are people coming up the Cragway, which is open, very windy, and they're pouring sweat. Yeah. From, from hiking because it was and like, it was like 80 and humid. Yeah. <laughs> and then you can see them suddenly just putting on clothes because they don't want to freeze. I was like, Oof. yeah, we saw a few come through from the bottom because we were again the, where we spectated was pretty near the summit, and there were some people that came up there was up that far that were still dressed very summery or inappropriate for the conditions, but you know, but they didn't seem bothered by it because they probably experienced hikers and it is what it is. But yeah, yeah, the, the they don't close down the mountain for hikers during the day just for cars driving up. Mm-hmm. Um, the Hold on, let me turn my phone off here. Yeah. The um, the other option for watching the race is that you well the spectator options where you can take the spectator bus from the bottom to the spectator areas. You got to buy a ticket for that. The other option is hiking from somewhere. Yeah. So you can you can hike from the bottom. Hike to the top. from the bottom to the top if you're good. If you're a hiker, yeah. <laughs> if you're not a hiker, forget about it. Yeah. So, um. Those are a few options you have to do it. Like I said, we like to drive to the top because the sight lines are better because there's no tree cover. Exactly. And I am not a hiker, so I'm not going to hike from the bottom to the top. So, Well, to me, what makes that event is the scenery of seeing it from the top of the mountain. Because otherwise, you're down low in the tree line. It's just like a tarmac stage rally. Exactly. That's why I wanted to be up higher. To, yeah. Like I said, different sight lines is different than being at, you know. It feels totally different. Yes. You don't feel like you're at a rally. You feel like you're at a hill climb. Yeah. And the scenery is spectacular when it's clear, which it was. It's ridiculous. Because you can see yeah. into Maine. You can see over, I think, over into Vermont. Uh, <clears throat> you, you can, can see, see clear over that mountain over there where Uncle Rico threw the football. Yeah. You can see Wildcat, which is a ski area. Yeah. It's cool because in the summertime, you can see all the ski paths cut through the mountain doing yep. Wildcat. Which actually is where we parked, is at Wildcat, because they had an overflow parking lot there. Yes. And then took one car to the summit. Yep. Andrew's Gallant. Yes. Uh, so some notable times. We had uh, Pastrana in his unlimited class WRX. It's a very notable time. Yes. <laughs> that is the record at 544.72. Uh, they were saying that he crossed the finish line. And I don't know if you've seen videos of the finish line, but it's a right-hand turn uphill, right right-hand uphill sweeper. Yep. That's, you know, almost at the summit, and one side is a death fall mm-hmm. um, in a four-wheel drift at about 100, at 137 miles an hour, which is ridiculous. Yeah. Well, there is one section. I'm not sure what he hit. Uh, there's one straight section near the bottom they call quarter mile because it's, it's about a quarter mile. About a quarter mile, and it's straight. And that's where they run the speed trap. 
And I, I know from watching some other end cars, some of the lower lower end cars got up into the 130 range. So I'm not sure what that car got into. Which I was also told that the rally cars are geared lower, so they change the gearing for these cars. So they don't have a super high top end? No, because you don't need it. Right, you need they're, all that torque to go up the mountain. Yeah, they're limited to 130. Pastrana's time was, uh, as we discussed earlier, 544.72. Right, 20 seconds off the previous record. About. Yes. Uh, some other notable times. Uh, uh, indirect friend of the show, but we met him at Climb of the Clouds, was uh, Bill Washburn in his Nissan 240RS Maxi. Which is a 240SX. Yes. That's been pretty much, it's a 240SX roof. And door skins is about all that's left. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not. I mean, most of the unibody is there. Yeah. It's just it's a pretty crazy race car. It's it's probably like you mentioned yesterday. It's probably the most well developed. Yeah. Two forty in at least the country, if not the world. An early version of it was in Speed Hunters. Um, but yeah, there's some close up pictures of it. I'll have more pictures of it soon as I edit them. But anyway, his time. Uh, so this is a rear wheel drive car. So yes. uh, with massive arrow. Uh, his best was a six thirty-two fifty-eight, so forty-seven seconds off the record, off the unlimited class. Yeah, so he was in open class, right? Which what makes the difference between unlimited and open? Because I mean that car was pretty, pretty well developed. Uh, I'm actually not sure. Okay, excellent. I don't know if it's a horsepower thing or no. I don't think it's displacement. Or yeah, who knows? Uh, and then somebody knows, but we don't know. No. And then we had guest uh, Alex Grabau was on. So the Mitsubishi, the Pleasure Evo, he was running in unlimited class. He ran a 652.8. Which actually got him second in class, did it not? Second in unlimited, yes. Right, which was eighth overall. Yes. Which is pretty damn good. It is. For a grassroots effort of a guy that not only built his car, but pretty much maintains that car as well. He doesn't have like a... He's like a crew of friends, not a crew of... exactly paid crew you know so they are um the the cars that are kind of in between the subaru cars and those cars that we mentioned bills and alex's a bunch of guys came out from colorado that run pikes peak and all the colorado hill yes. climbs yep and they had some crazy like open wheel chassis cars that are hill climb yeah, cars full-on hill climb cars yeah like they're not a unibody wells car. coyotes there's a couple different ones. But yeah, one different different V8s. They basically turbos. they basically look. Some of them look like like sprint cars. Yeah, crossed with like 70s F1 cars. Yeah, because it's a sprint car style frame, but it's a rear engine V8 or some of V6 turbos and they're they're hill climb specials. Yeah, they're ridiculous and they're yeah. awesome. And there are also some cars in those classes too that were like um, they look like if you're familiar with uh, short track dirt track racing. Yeah. Like those super modifieds. Yeah. There were a few cars that looked like super modifieds, yeah. too, that ran out of the hill, which were pretty fun to watch. And then our other guests, Vinny McMahon and his co-driver, Dan Downey, they're in the Rally 1 category with his Eagle Talon. So it's stock engine, completely stock, so yeah. 190 horsepower. Yeah, so it's safety upgrades and suspension upgrades. That's it. Yeah. If that. Well, yeah, he's got Rally suspension in that. Yes. And he was on DOT R-Comps or whatever. Yeah, he's on essentially street tires. Yeah. Uh, so he ran a seven. So his first run was faster because he blew a power steering line towards the end of the first run, I believe. Uh, so he ran a seven forty six seventy one. So that's two minutes off the pace, which is pretty good for a 
two minutes off the pace of the unlimited two million dollar Subarus. Yeah, with his Eagle Talon that he bought off Craigslist for probably two thousand bucks and has probably another five into. Yeah, you know, I'm spouting numbers off that I don't know, but I mean, it's a very budget built car. Well, if you go back to the episode, you can listen to it. Yeah, and that's that, that's the car that you know we deemed him our hero that week because oh he drove it to the event he built this that weekend. car and he drove it to Rally Pierce Nash in Canada from here in PBD, Massachusetts. Rallied it all weekend, yeah. turned around, and drove it back to Beauty again. Not only did he do that then, but now he also did that, as you just said, for this event. And yes. he must have been the only car there that was driven to the event. I think so. I mean, and his Everything time... seemed to show up in the trailer, so... His time was not... He was, like, mid-pack. He wasn't the slowest. Obviously, he's not going to be the fastest. No. He put down a damn respectable time. And, I mean, a 7.46... In the 90s when they ran this event before? Yeah. Would have been a top-level car. Yeah. Like, that's that's a ridiculous. That's really fast. And my hats are off to him for that effort because right. not only was he running street tires, he was running a 205 street tire. It wasn't even a big street tire. Nope. So, I mean, that's that's impressive. So, so congrats to Vinnie McMahon and his co-driver. And the other thing, Also too, a friend of the show, Dan Down. The... Um, the it was an eclectic mix of automobiles at this event, right? Yeah, it was awesome. Way better than a rally. Yeah, because it was like, it wasn't just like Subaru, 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 Real WMW. Subaru. You know, you know, what's funny Saab. was when the first Subaru came through because they ran them for the first. They ran, they ran them slow cars first. Yeah, they so did the reverse first order. Yes, yeah, yeah. so the first cars that came through with some of the vintage, you know, fifties, sixties stuff, Sunbeam which were Rapier. awesome. Sunbeam Rapier was an amazing looking car. Yeah, I don't know what the open wheel car was. It's um, like some. It was like a McRae something. It was some special built back in the fifties. Wasn't super fast. Yeah. It kind of looked like an Allard crossed with like a. Oh, I'm thinking of a different car. I don't think they actually ran during race day. There was okay. an open wheel car that looked like an F, like a seventies F1 car, and it was like a McRae something. Oh, okay. And it's dumb because I can go twenty feet and I have the entry list in the trunk of the car. But but yeah, I'm not pausing the show again. Yeah. Um, I don't know what kind of car the open wheel car was, but it was a four cylinder carbureted, so top hill was going pretty mm-hmm. slow. But it was cool to watch. What's that tan car that's been at the Misslewood Concourse Hellgans open wheel car? Because that's Run Climb of the Clouds. Um, I'm going to have to look back into that. I don't remember. Was it's, it an HRG? It was, it's, it's the car that is the logo of the, the sticker of the Misslewood show. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know what car you're talking of, yeah. but it's not like a Ford, so I don't no. remember exactly what it is. Unfortunately. No. Um, Oh, so good here tonight. Crap. Yeah, he runs Lime Rock Historics, too, with that Yeah, car. I've seen it there, and then I saw it at Climb of the Clouds. It was definitely there in 2011. I don't know if it's run since, but... It's yeah, I, I don't remember. I feel, what, what was my point there? I was going on with the uh, the reverse order. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we went in reverse order. So yep. some of the older, slower cars went first, and then the first Subaru came through, and I turned to, to Joe and Adam, and I would said, hey, well, here comes the parade of Subarus, because... You know, I'm used to going to a rally where yeah. once you get the Subarus coming through, it's just Subaru, 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 Subaru. But it wasn't because it was a Subaru, and then it was immediately followed by, like, a Scirocco. Yeah. Which is pretty There awesome. was actually a couple. There was a a Gen 1 Scirocco. Yes. And a Corrado was And there. a Corrado. Yep. That was, like, meanly fast. Not only was the Corrado meanly fast, but they took the time to take the Volkswagen emblem out of the back of a Volkswagen Rabbit Caddy pickup truck. Oh, really? From the tailgate. And they grafted it into the rear panel below the hatch. Oh, I didn't even notice that. It was so cool. It was a lot of lot of weird, like, show car style bodywork for a huh. race car. I wonder if it used to be a show car, maybe. Yeah, maybe. 
it was definitely pretty cool. Uh, there's a, there's a couple of golfs, uh, some yeah, Subarus, we're golfs. a couple of very nice, well prepped Subarus. Um, the Mark II GTI, the white one, the mm-hmm. turbocharged one. That car was amazingly clean. Yep, amazingly clean. Uh, there's a Fox body. Yes, there was a Fox body. There was also a newer body style Mustang. Yeah, um, like a 2015 ish body style. That was a, I think it was a V6. V6 full interior, racing up the mountain. With just a roll cage. Yeah. It was kind of cool, actually. Let's talk about, you know, pretty budget build. That was mm-hmm. about as budget as it gets. So yeah. That was kind of cool. Um, my personal favorites were, oh, anybody that knows me knows the older cars. So it was the Toyota Starlet. Yes. Which I'm going to butcher his name, so I'm not even going to attempt it. I'll have to look it up and we'll put a link to it because uh, he's from Finland. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, lives in the States now, but yeah. he built the car in Finland originally. And he's in also 2000, run, yeah. Yeah, he also run the car at Bikes Peak. Um, but that's a four AGE powered um, Toyota Starlet, which is yes. just completely, completely ridiculous. Um, that and the Opal Manta was box flares. Yes, that that's a good one. Car, yeah. The Datsun Five Ten was sweet. The Five Ten was really clean. Had no back window, which kind of bothered me. Yeah, there was a crazy. bunch of cool stuff. There was there was a two four the Dots two forty that unfortunately rolled on practice day on mm-hmm. Saturday. That was Friday. Didn't oh, was even it make was it. that Friday? Yeah. yeah. Um, no, so much cool stuff. Yeah, if if you're a, a fan of cars in general, you have to get out to this event. I mean, it, there was even a Toyota Yaris rally car that was set mm-hmm. up for the mountain. It was entertaining to watch because of lifting the inside rear tire on every turn. Yep. So I've got a minute since I was shooting photos on Friday. During practice, doing they were doing the bottom half. We were near the we were right before the flying finish in Signal Corps. So I've got about a minute worth of audio of some select cars. So we're gonna go through. It'll be Pastrana, Higgins, uh, Wells Coyote. That's one of those open wheel cars. Correct. It's got a V eight. Uh, oh, there were Fiat Abarth. Abarth. Abarth? Yeah, the the Fiatas there. They were they were well, they they're one twenty fours. Fiat Roadsters or Spiders, whatever they're calling them. I thought they were one twenty fours. Yeah, but maybe one twenty one two fours. Yeah. But they're basically Mazda Miatas that with the more powerful turbo, turbo four cylinder. Yeah, the more powerful them. engine. Yeah. Like, apparently these called Fiatas. Yeah. Apparently these were over three hundred horsepower. They were fast. They're very I fast. Mean, they were fast, fast. They're as fast as the two forty RS. One of them broke, unfortunately, yes. but they were fast. Uh, so then it's the Fiat and then you can hear Alex's Evo. Uh, then I've got the 240 RS Maxi and then you can hear, oh, the wreck I saw, uh, Savage Dave Wallingford wrecked his Fiesta in Signal Core. Yes. He rolled it over almost into you. Yes. He traction rolled it. So, uh, it was like a, it's like an S curve uphill and the thing just caught too much grip, too stiff and it just Went right over, and there's a bunch of really cool pictures of... Um, yeah, because it was a spectator corner. That's yeah. The signal core is a spectator area, so yeah. everybody saw it. <laughs> yeah, so there's uh, a couple of composites by Nemesis Photo, EMPO. I think I said pronounced that correctly. Yep. And Sean Pierce Photography. He, they've got different angles, and then the other day they combined the two of them. Yeah, for one long shot. That was really cool. Well, they put them on top and bottom, so they're yep. like the front, like forward and reverse of it, so that was really cool. And then, of course, there's mine is like straight on coming at me. So right, it, it, it's blurry because you physically had to move out of the way. Yes, uh, and then the uh, I've got the Starlet, which had the four AG that was revving to eleven thousand, eleven thousand RPM, and it has a straight cut dog box, so yes. it's just banging gears like with no time in between. I almost hit the wrong play button. Yeah, 
So here, we'll hit it. So this is the Subaru cars. They both sound identical. Yep. Wastegate shutter. The guys are identical. Yeah. Need a little V8 action. Fiat Abarth 124. Yeah. The Pleasure Evo. Yeah, which he's got equally headers. So it doesn't have that normal 4G60 bark. This is the 240 RS Maxi. This is Savage Dave. <laughs> Oops. Yeah, this is the Starlet. Nicely an F1 car. Yeah, you can hear that straight cut box as he drives away. It's yeah. pretty amazing. Just banging gears at 11,000 RPM. So, it's uh, like a motorcycle. <laughs> all right. So let's get some some listener questions. Cause it's a... So basically, that, that that's, that's our taste of the Mount Washington Hill Climb. Yep. If you've never been... Make it a point to go in 2020. I mean, the fact that just that audio to me is like, you know, hair raising. It sounds so cool. Oh, you could hear that Starlet going up the entire mountain. Oh, 100%. You'd hear the Pleasure Evo going up pretty high, too, actually. That, yeah. That's pretty loud, too. But just the fact that, that that audio, just the audio alone brings me back to being there a few days ago. And it's a pretty I, good thing. I think because it's not a racetrack. And there's no neighbors because it's a national park. Right. I don't think there's any sound restrictions. There's no way there was sound restrictions. No. <laughs> Most of those cars would have blown every racetrack sound yeah. restriction out of the water. So that's cool. Um, all right. So it is listener question week, as you mentioned. Yes. So let's. I'll do the first one. So Dan Downey asks, uh, "What's your favorite non Mitsubishi at Climb to the Clouds?" What is yours? Well, clearly it's the Starlet. Yeah. I have to go with that too. Yeah, easy answer. Because not only did it sound amazing, like when you get up close to the car, it is an immaculate build, and build of a race car. The, the guy who built it was super nice. Yeah, and he was just anybody who was asking questions, he would take the time to explain every little thing about the car to yeah. them. So he's a, a genuinely cool guy. I believe he's VHT Racing on Instagram. Something like that. Something like that. And then he asked, uh, "Has my heart rate gone down uh, since he was nearly part of a Fiesta?" And uh, yeah, it wouldn't have been a party, so. No, but, uh, it would not have been. And then uh, he also asked, where do you plan to watch at NEFR? That's top secret. It's not top secret. It's just we don't even really know yet. Yeah. Uh, yes, VHD Racing is the correct. Yeah, uh, Miko Kataja. Yes. This is, is his name, if I'm getting it correctly or not. There's some amazing videos of him on... YouTube from Bike Speak and from you know, some European events. All right. The newer stuff to watch of him is with the 4AG. Yep. Uh, I'm sure he'll have videos soon of Climb the Clouds. Oh, 100%. Uh, but I think he has a long drive back to Michigan, so before he posts stuff. And uh, I'll keep an eye out for it when I see it posted. I assume that it's Wednesday now. He's probably back in Michigan by now. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, it takes a while to upload stuff. Anyway, all right, so next question, we've got uh, Arizona Castro. He said, did you get to check out MOD West Coast 2017 picks? And he said someone brought a real dry boxy Lancer. So we were busy at Climb the Clouds. Yep. Uh, we had a bunch of friends that went to the West Coast. 
Uh, MOD, for those not in the Mitsubishi community, is the Mitsubishi Owner's Day. And the West Coast is the one in Cypress, California at Mitsubishi USA's uh, headquarters. Yep. So we talked about it previously. A bunch of Montero owners made the journey from Arizona and a couple down from Canada. And there was a huge Montero representation at uh, MOD West, along with, excuse me, a bunch of other awesome cars. Including that rear-wheel drive box lancer. Yeah, which I believe was on Petrolicious. There was a feature article on that car on Petrolicious. Um, A box lancer is the, I think, 82 to 87. I'm not going to say a definite quote on those years. Um, Mitsubishi Lancer was basically a box. It's kind of like a more angular Volvo 240 style, I guess you could call it. Mm -hmm. And they were rear-wheel drive, and they were actually the first car that was produced with the 4G63. They had a 4G63 single cam oh. in the first first years they came oh. out. So but they never sold them here for some reason because they're amazing cars. I will own one one day. Said it before. Say hmm. it again. Won't stop saying it until I do it. But the European ones have a 2-liter turbo, and the uh, Japanese market ones have a 1.6 or a 1.8 turbo. Um, and they also are a ton of lower-level models that are not turbocharged as well, which any of them I'll be happy with. All right. Why don't you do the next one? Uh, Bobby Martin. Um, He's a new listener? He is a, a, or a new, new question, question asker. Yeah. Um, did you guys get involved at all in the VW buyback? I'm curious about your thoughts on the whole thing. Love the show. Thanks, Bobby. Um, glad you found us. Where'd you find us? If you let us know, if you could. Kind of cool. Kind of like to find out that, where that happened from. Uh, we did n- I did not, and I know Brad did not. Um, I had a VW at the time. I had a family member who was involved in it. Okay, yep. I know that uh, he made out quite well. Uh, in fact, he parked the car and was able to buy a new car. Yep. And then eventually basically drove the car for free for two or three years um, with the amount of the buyback he got back. I shouldn't say I was not 100% uninvolved in yep. the VW buyback. Oh, okay. Because I sold a car to a guy who had gotten the money to buy oh, a yeah, fun right. car only because he had gotten involved in the VW buyback and got the money for his diesel Volkswagen to buy the Honda Accord, the um, 79 Accord that I was selling. So I got a little bit involved. Um, My thoughts on it, it is what it is. I mean, they had to do it something because they got caught cheating. Yeah, I mean, in the end, I guess it would have been a lot cheaper to just do the formal engineering and make the cars pass the way they should have. Oh, 100%. But they also didn't think they are ever going to get caught. And nope. it's come out since then that there's a lot of other little cheats that other manufacturers have done that would probably, you know, Which get I them of, in the same trouble. I, uh, like, I kind of always respect that stuff. When, like, there's blatant cheating, and then there's, like, brilliant cheating. Yeah. Well, if you want to learn about brilliant cheating, you can read Mark Donahue's book, The Unfair Advantage. Where he talks about a lot of different cheats they did over the years. Yeah, that's just and like racing. you're just like searching through the rules, all the loopholes. Yeah, all the smoky eunuch um, yeah. stuff in the 60s right. in NASCAR. You know, they had limits on how much fuel they could put in the car, but they didn't have limits. They had limits in the size of the gas tank, but they didn't have limits in the size of the fuel lines. And the filler neck. And the filler neck. So they would get bigger, wider filler neck and bigger, you know, diameter fuel lines and get more gas than the next guy and be able to go further. Yeah. So that's not, you know, it's, it is what it is. It's... It's it's skirting the rules. It's you know, being smarter than the guy next to you. That's how yeah. I win Monopoly. Yeah, it's like I mean, the, what the uh, hell's the difference? Like the Toyota wastegate thing in the nineties. Oh, in the um, all-track rally cars. Yeah. Yep. It's almost like so brilliant. You're like, ah, are they really cheating? Because there's so much engineering into that. Yeah, it took a lot of work to do that cheat. 
It's not like they stole something from somebody. No. Uh, so, all right. Joe Stanley asks, what kind of tools and gears do you guys keep, keep in your cars for roadside repairs? And after a recent incident in the Mojave Desert, I was lucky to have a window breaker on me that saved my ass. And it got me thinking about what should I put together for an emergency roadside kit. Do you know what an incident was in the Mojave? Oh, you didn't see it? So no. I believe his fender liner came loose. I saw that. Yeah, that's what it was. And oh. It, so it he was, said he needed to bust a window out then. He just used that tool for it has a, a non-intended purpose. Because it has purpose. a seatbelt cutter on it. He probably oh, cut the okay. plastic that was stuck. Because it came loose and like was dragging and making a horrible noise. Oh, okay, I did. I did see that. I didn't put the correlation together with the wind window smasher. Yeah. So, uh, uh, what do you put in your cars? Oh, I keep. Um, I've got this gear wrench socket set that has. Uh, it's like got passers to it, so you don't need to have two size sockets. Right. And obviously, I have metric because I have metric cars. Yep. So you can. It's got, like, all the metric sockets you need, and then you don't need extensions because you can go right over the bolts. That came in handy when we switched the alternator. I was going to say, that one, that one saved my ass in North Carolina. Yep. Um, <laughs> actually, I haven't had to use it since, but I keep it anyways. Well, thank you for having that then. I keep zip ties. I keep side cutters, some pliers. I bought... Uh, electrical tape. Electrical tape, duct tape, because you can duct tape radiators. Yep. Uh, or other things. Um the uh I won't go down that road. The What else did you duct tape? <laughs> Nothing. Oh, I get you. <laughs> uh bad jokes on the auto auction. Terrible jokes. Power. You can tell we're recording late when the jokes get bad. Uh what else do I keep in there? Oh, I just like some you know, you go to Home Depot, get some like husky metric wrenches. Yeah, that's what I have in every one of my cars. I, like, I didn't didn't even buy the husky ones. I went to Harbor Freight. Oh, same difference. Yeah, they're nine dollars for the small set of wrenches i have a little pouch of box wrenches and uh a screwdriver some phillips head screwdrivers i I bought i went there they had one of their big sales where it was i think it's like a 10 piece wrench set um and they were nine dollars so i bought one for each car just to put in the glove box put it this way i had enough stuff with me that we were able to fix the steering alternator yep and then last summer we were able to replace the fuel pump in the montero on the side of the road that's right dude i forgot we did that so it was all basic hand tools. And yeah, I mean, we're not doing motor swaps on the side of the road. No. But we can do, we I can get ourselves home usually. I didn't have crimpers, so I just used the pliers I had to, get to, crimp, the, possible. to crimp the butt connectors for that fuel pump. So, And then wrap the electrical tape and call it a day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so you got home and had proper tools to fix it right. Yeah. So, yeah, no, my, my toolkit has changed a little bit over the years. Um, I have, like I said, the basic set of wrenches in each and every car just to have them because yeah. you can get out of most roadside jams with those. Um, See, I keep it in a bag and I just switch between cars. You know, I just drive to too many different cars too many yeah. different times. And it's usually because another one broke. <laughs> so there is no cheap equipment in each car. But I do have just like a 200-piece Bostitch toolkit that I keep moved from car to car. And that usually saves me pretty well. Mm-hmm. It's just like, you know. Oh, and then I keep like uh, an unopened bottle of brake fluid. With the seal on it so it doesn't leak. Yeah. Ruin the paint in the car. Yeah. Well, it, it, uh, I also have a plastic container I keep fluids in. So I keep uh, the oil that I need for the car, a uh, jug of coolant, and brake fluid. Which brake fluid helped your dad one day. We were going to a car show, and all of a sudden he had no brake pedal for some reason. I had that in the Camaro, too. You yeah. weren't there, unfortunately. But I was pulling into the cruise night on Wednesday night, and all of a sudden my brake pedal went away. Yeah. I was like, where did my brake pedal go? 
and I had no fluid and no leaks either. It was just uh, there must be a leak somewhere. Must be a yeah, in, leak. in the drums or something. Yeah. Anyway, next question. Joe Osborne, not sure if you've done anything on dash cams yet. I need to start listening to these things. Listen, catch up listening to these things. Any recommendations? I don't have any. Uh, I think, like, uh, I mean, if you've already got a GoPro, I believe you can run them in loop mode, and they'll act as a dash cam. Oh, really? I don't. I mean, if you, especially if you've already got one, I wouldn't go buy a specific dash cam because yeah, GoPros are just so good. I don't have a dash cam, so I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Joe. I, I don't know. Some people are into running them. I don't. It's like. A, I mean, I wish I had it sometimes to like catch somebody doing something stupid and just show everybody in the world how stupid that person is. Yeah, it's true. But but I just I don't have it. So. It's kind of like a radar detector. Like, I also know if I had one, I'd be pissed off every time something happened and I wasn't driving the car that had the dash cam in it. Yeah. Like sometimes I wish I had a radar detector, and sometimes I'm like, oh, it's just so much work to have it. Like, I don't know. Do they really work? Is there probably? I mean, I guess. I mean, I wouldn't know what goes on in Russia if it wasn't for dash cams. No, I meant like radar detectors. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. All right. Uh, David Dennis, who was a driver at Climb the Clouds. He was. He dodged, dodged Dart. Yes. Unfortunately, he had a breakdown on the first pass of the day. But I, I do have a couple of cool pictures of that. I'll, I'll get posted. Anyway, so our question image, you probably saw this if you were asking questions. It was of a couple of pink flamingos. They were in the paddock area. Were those the, the ones that get brought to NEFR for the flamingo bowling? No, that's usually out west. I don't know if anybody's going to bring those. Oh, they okay. need to make it out this way. People, There's like this crazy setup the West Coast people have where the, flam- the flamingos are on hinges. And they put them on the outside of like a hairpin so the car comes in and throws like a dirt rooster tail over them. Tries to knock them all over. And a little gravel machine gun action. Tries to shoot the flamingos over. And uh, then you can set them back up, so they call it flamingo bowling. Right, but somebody brought a couple of flamingos to the paddock at yeah, any at um, and, climb to the clouds. And he so. wants to know what flavor uh, race fuel they like the best. Uh, I, yeah, I would say either 100 or 110. Yeah, I like that. Uh, Is it C16? Joe, Joe Osborne answered him, and he said uh, it's that red colored fuel you use for lawn equipment that you can buy at Home Depot. That's how they get the distinctive pink color. That works. <laughs> I want to do the Instagram questions. Uh, yes, um, KP Kelsey six tells us that the lifted Subaru wave came from Australia. The trend is growing by the minute. I assume he's referring to our friend Joe's lifted Subaru Forester. Yeah, um, is that what we're talking about? Otherwise, maybe we did. And I'm just a dummy. Um, but thank you, KP Kelsey, for sending us from Australia the Subaru. If you're from there, I don't know if you're from there, but. We like we like that trend, you know. It's better than the other trend of the um, sex spec show cars. It's better than making your Subaru useless by slamming it to the ground. Yes, that's true. Which I'd rather is, see all the lifted Subarus in the world. Which are you familiar with sex spec? What is sex spec? It's the Australian term for like a, a show car, like an old car, oh, like that, like twenty two inch wheels, like useless. To actually drive, they call them sex spec. Oh, because people go, that's sex. Yeah, that's sexy, that's uh, sex, yeah. All right. If, you, if you're familiar with, um, uh, yeah, YouTube channel, um, Money Car Mods, they're from Australia. Mm. They have a Mirage that they bought that was a sex spec build huh. um, that they turned into an actual race car. Oh, But neat. the vanity plate on the car was uh, the number two and then sexy. And they've kept it on the car ever since, and they call it too sexy. Nice. So 
All right. So Riley Sideways asks, he's, this is for me, how was witnessing Wallingford's crash from so close? You almost got squished. Yep, you did. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was pretty wild. Uh, it was like you come through the single core and you're like, yep, he's up in two wheels because it's not uncommon for a Fiesta to get a little two wheel. No, because they're narrow and tall. And you're like, all right, he's going on two wheels. Oh, oh wait, he's going too far. Yeah. Oh, and now he's <laughs> on the door. Oh, and he's heading towards me. He's uh, on no wheels. So... And then I kind of like moved, like I realized it wasn't directly coming at me. So I just kind of moved out of the way. But you were also probably watching it through the lens of a camera. Yeah. So you didn't exactly have the correct perspective. Well, I pulled the camera away and just kind of pointed at it and still held the shutter button. Yeah. Which props to you for holding the shutter button down because you got some good shots. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And then it was a little freaky because like I was standing there trying to process what just happened. And the, uh, the woman was, there's a woman sitting directly behind me, but she worked for the mountain. She was one of the van drivers. Okay. She jumped out of the way and like cut her leg on the, the rocks are really sharp up there. Yeah, they're very sharp up there. And then, uh, like all of a sudden I turn and everybody's running towards me because the car is behind me. How did that happen? <laughs> and I was like, ah, what's going on? But people were running to make sure they were okay. And right. Then, and then as soon as you're like, oh, uh, you know, cause it was such a slow roll. You're like, they're probably okay. And then of course they were. They're like, you can hear them inside. They're like, yeah, we're okay. But they can't get the door open. So they wanted to roll the car. Okay. And of course there was some chaos with like throwing the red flag. And I remember like telling one of the workers, I was like, no, you can't stand right there. You need to go down the corner. And you can was see that the, the guy in the video, the brown jacket. No, no. Oh. You can see him in the video. I'm pointing at the woman. Like you need to take the red flag that you're trying to wave and wave it. Like where, before the turn. Yeah. Where a car can see you. Yeah. I know that in the same video, there's a guy in a brown, like an older guy in a, in a brown oh, he's jacket. moseying up the he's road. He's just like walking in and the road. You're like, the cars are still alive. We're all yelling <laughs> at him because there's a car coming and he's just like moseying up the road. Yeah, it's a, it's a little chaotic sometimes because you, I mean, these are just volunteers. They don't, sometimes, some yeah, they're of them not don't, trained. Some of them don't understand how dangerous motorsport is. It's it's a little freaky sometimes, but. What was that a Russian friend said? Oh, yeah. So it, I always remember that. Um, so the guy, uh, Ivan, he would run the Rally New York stuff. Uh, he came up to me one day when I was at a rally and I was kind of, I thought I was high enough up on this hill out of the way. And he goes, you, that spot is no good. Car is like bullet. It will kill you. And I'm like, oh, okay. So whenever I'm, awesome. whenever I think about where I'm going to stand. You think I of just, Ivan. So thank you, Ivan. Yeah. <laughs> car is like bullet. Despite Andrew's bad copy of your accent, yeah. he really respects what you said to him that day. Car is like bullet. It will it kill you. Kill you. <laughs> so, um, all right. Uh, adventure driven design. This one's kind of for me too. Yep. So, uh, our buddy, uh, someone we know there at climb to the clouds had a Piero Evo. Yes. He'll remain nameless because it's not really a, uh, known thing that he has a vehicle. Cause it's, you know, it's a thing, whatever it exists. Yeah, it exists. So, uh, I ended up going for a recce run up the mountain in it. Which makes me insanely jealous. Uh, I, I didn't get to drive it. I just sat in it the back It doesn't matter. I just, just being in the presence of a Pajero Evo, a Pajero Evo, made me a happy person. So it was basically, uh, it was weird because I was sitting in it and as the, because I have a second gen now, it's a second gen vehicle. So you're looking underneath it. These things are body on frame. They're short wheelbase, but the rear axle is its independent suspension. Like your truck is? Like No. Your truck's solid axle? In the rear. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. sorry. Yeah. But it's basically, you can see where the development came from to create the third generation truck. The third gen ones are independent rear. And they're unibody, independent front and rear. They're unibody in third gens? Yep. I don't know that. Yes. 
Um, but yeah, so it's kind of a wild truck. And then the front of it is still the torsion bar. I don't think it's coilovers. Um, it's got the three, five. I don't think it's a three, eight. I think it's a, it's a three, five dual cam with my Vec. Oh, so it's an earlier version of my Vec then. Well, it's the version of my Vec that the rest of the world got way before we got. Yeah. Cause we didn't get it until the two thousands. Yeah. Uh, and it was kind of neat. So like, uh, he was showing us as you're going, um, we're going downhill. So you get to use engine braking cause it's just like a really steep hill. So he's in low gear. And then if you brought the revs up to like 3,700, you could actually hear the cams change over. Like it, it was the, it was a noticeable change in audio. And that was like, and then like you like lost engine braking as you went into my Vec. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. You remember that happening when you had your VTEC Civic? I don't remember engine braking in VTEC. Yeah. It's, down my watch. It's yeah. so high. Yeah. Yeah. He so was just kind of playing with it. So. Interesting. Yeah. I'm, I'm jealous you had to ride in it. Even if you didn't get to drive it. I, I just like, I love that thing so much. It's a neat vehicle. It's not like really good at any one thing. No, it's just cool. It's just unique. Yeah. I, and I want it. Yeah. And you can kind of see where it's basically a box flare 2.5 with extra flares on it. Yeah. It's your truck, but wider. And shorter. Yeah. It's a homologation special. It's amazing. The, the front doors are the same. The rear door is the same. Dash and, is and of the course, same. it's right-hand drive and from Japan. Yeah. So it has that weird, um, like, extra mirror on yeah, the left fender. fender mirror. And it had Recaros. So that's cool. It did have Recaros, yep. Yeah. Right. Awesome. So Adventure Driven 9 has another question. It says, do you think there will be as many Monteros at MOD East as there were at MOD West? We've been seeing rumblings of getting a big crowd together and possible wheeling afterward. I don't think it'll be as big of a crowd. No. Um, I know it'll be a good-sized crowd. Um, I know of, like, six or seven that are planning on going, but not... Oh, really? Yeah. I know... But there were, like, 20 of them in MOD West. Yeah, it'd be a tough weekend for us, unfortunately, to go this year. Yep. We'll see how it goes. Well, like I said before, that's my daughter's birthday weekend. Mm-hmm. So, chances are pretty good I'm not going to go. Yeah, I, I might be able to go. I'll see. Yeah, if if I if, if if we go and come back that day, so I can be around the Sunday for the birthday, we'll see. But no promises. I'd have to pick uh, between that and driving the shootout. It's roughly the same amount of hours. Yeah, I could definitely not do the shootout. So yeah, so we'll have to see. Actually, maybe one of us should the shootout. One of us should do that, and then we'll have double the coverage. Maybe. Anyway, like I said, I probably can't do it anyway. So. All right. So. You want to do the next one? Uh, throttle by cable. Um, this question is, I'm actually proud of this question. Yeah. Because, you know, when we started this podcast, it was because we listened to other podcasts and they inspired us. Mm-hmm. Um, and throttle by cable has asked this question on other podcasts that I oh, really? like and aspire to be. So thank you, throttle by cable for asking this question and, you know, legitimizing our little stupid two-man show here in Andrew's basement. Mm-hmm. Um, Throttle by Cable says, the popularity of the auto off-topic has grown bigly. <laughs> um, a manufacturer approaches you to create a new rally car. What would you have them build? Which manufacturer? WRC or Dakar? It doesn't have to be a small two-door hatch, but it does need to be something that isn't being raced right now. Okay. So that's a complicated question. I read this earlier so I could think about it. Okay. Um, um, I had a busy day, so I did not get to preview the question. So I'll let you go first. I'll okay. think about it. So I was going to say, um, so my Mitsubishi answer, because that's what everybody expects, will be of course. Uh, an Outlander Sport. 
like the Toyota RAV4. Or a, or an ASX, depending on what part of the world you're yep. listening in. Uh, front-wheel drive, manual. Okay. That'd be a cool car. I mean, it's like a Fiesta-sized car. A little bigger than a yeah. Fiesta. It's like a Focus-sized car, I'd say. Okay. Um, but it'd be like the Toyota RAV4 that uh, Millen is running. Was, is it two-wheel drive? It might be two-wheel drive. I think I this is remember. a four-wheel drive with a CVT. Oh, that's right. It is. Yeah. Which I would not want. Regardless. <laughs> I mean, what? If you're going to let me rally, I rally anything. Hey, I take that for sure. I, I mean, you're gonna, they're going to have to start rallying CUVs because that's one of the most popular yeah. versions of a vehicle that you can buy today is a CUV, right? So maybe we should be doing a build on a new Eclipse right. Cross. So maybe you do the... Oh, yeah. Maybe that. So maybe you do the Outlander as a Dakar build. Um, and then I would... Do a retro livery to match the old... Um, yeah, maybe. Pajero. Pajero, the Pajero Evolution that ran into Kai. Yeah. So then the uh, non-Mitsubishi answer, as far as rallying, would be a, uh, I guess, a Civic Type R. Yuck. I don't know. What else do you do with it? I don't know. I was trying to think of a car that's not currently being rallied or really raced. Well, it's a small front-wheel drive car. Toyota, Toyota IM, the Mazda 2-based Toyota. I think, no, there was one at SCPR. Okay, well, I wasn't there, so I didn't yeah. know that it existed. Yeah. So never mind. Uh, I was trying to think. I was I couldn't think of anything else right now. Oh, anything from Hyundai or Kia or something small. And I know it doesn't have to be a small car, but they'd lend themselves better to rally. I, I can't come up with a better Mitsubishi answer than what you had no. because they already raced a Lancer. Is there anything rear-wheel drive right now other than a BRZ or an FRS? Nothing they'd want to race. Really? I don't think so. I mean, there's, you know, Camaros, Mustangs, you know, Chargers, but those are not rally cars by any means. Maybe a, maybe a Mustang? Maybe. Or an Alfa Romeo? Julius Ooh. and Anne. That'd Ooh. be a cool rally car. Ooh, with, a, with the throwback. Um, martini uh, livery? The martini or the, is it the Pro Tippy? Was the, uh, those Italian colors. Is it Pro Tip? Pro Tippy? Yeah, Pro, uh, pro Tip. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Or the red martini colors, like a Lancia. I like, I like that too. Mm. All right, all right. So, yeah. So, an Alfa Romeo Julia. Yeah. I would never finish an event. Or, uh, but it would sound good and look good trying. If you did it with, like, the red, with, like, the white triangle on the hood. Yeah, with the little snake graphic there, like the old yeah. Alfa. All uh, right. All right. All right. So, that's where I'm going with. Okay. I don't, I don't have a better Mitsubishi answer, because I think you, what you said is right. The Outback. I'm sorry, the Outback. <laughs> the Outlander Sport. Yeah. Or ASX. Yeah, I don't think there's anything else, though. Nah, not at the moment. New cars are kind of boring right now. All right, so that finishes it for questions. Yeah, I think it's going to tie us up for the evening as well. We're over an hour, I think. Yep. So social media, you can find the podcast on Facebook at Auto Off Topic. You can find us on Instagram at Auto Off Topic Podcast. Um, It's autooftopic at gmail.com. Any questions, concerns, or suggestions? Yeah, complaints. Whatever. Uh, find me personally at TSISS350. Or, as always, the podcast is brought to you by Vintage Imports of New England, which can be emailed at vintageimportsne at gmail.com. Or find us at vintageimportsne.com. Mm-hmm. I just screwed that up completely. It's brad at vintageimportsne.com. Not a Gmail address. Sorry. Okay. All right. And you can follow me at racedandanger.com. Uh, I hope to have an article up on Right Foot Down about uh, Climb to the Clouds. I'm working on that currently. Uh, and I will get to editing some photos and posting those to 
Facebook and Auto Off Topic and Race to Anger. Uh, if you follow me on Instagram, you've seen some of the photos I've shared, some teasers. Uh, so as always, keep your cars analog. <laughs>